0: Welcome to The Perspectivalist. Our agenda is to offer a perspective of the world that allows you to think more clearly as a Christian. We want the normativity of scriptures to be the starting point of all our labors. Thanks for joining the conversation. This is episode six, and I'm your host, Yuri Brito. You may have seen that things are getting relatively Alex Jonesy lately. I am certain that the Evangelicals for Biden crowd are either terrified of their decision Or they have joined Bidenism in all its layers within the evangelical movement. But um, as a philosopher once stated, let's get down to the nitty-gritty who is this National School Board Association. These cultural priests, they represent around 90,000 school officials who have asked Biden to label angry parents sharing their free speech perspective, we might say, on uh, critical race theory, masking, and other such related topics, to label these guys as domestic terrorists. Now, these are soccer moms and baseball dads, and they have also, uh, because of their infinite kindness, encouraged the government to deploy federal authorities if necessary. You know, their charity knows no bounds. And this, of course, leads me to my continuous homily in encouraging Christian parents to remove their children from public schools. And I add the little footnote here that, of course, I respect good Christian folks working within the system like I encourage and respect good Christian folk working in any government system. But the case here is against the indoctrination of children that are grown within the Christian church, that such children should not be under a system that has been designed, let's say, in the days of Dewey, that has been designed, let's say in the days of Nancy Pelosi, to be explicitly against the Trinitarian religion. One of the more audacious positions of the denomination where I serve as a pastor, the CREC, is that it does not speak adoringly of public school. In fact, our memorial says the following. Government schools tend to be, by decree and design, explicitly godless, and therefore normally should not be considered a legitimate means of inculcating true faith, holy living, and a decidedly Christian worldview in the children of Christian parents. Therefore, uh, goes on the memorial to say, we strongly encourage Christian parents to seek alternative ways of educating their children, whether by means of Christian schools or homeschooling, and in cases where Christian education is an impossibility, parents must be active and diligent in overseeing the education of their children. Close quote. Now, in my southern context, most evangelical churches have a host of children populating local public schools, and as I understand it, uh, opposing public schools is, is not the sort of topic that grants pastors awards in local ceremonies. Now, mind you, we're not speaking here of the responsibility to bear witness by some mature Christian adults, as I mentioned earlier. Let's say a godly Christian adult who senses a a calling to instruct, a calling to minister in that environment. In fact, I know many who do great work in the public corridors, and I bless them with every ounce of my being. But what we're arguing against is the intentionality of sending children, in my case, uh, covenant children, to learn under almost always ungodly curriculums. I'm sure there's some exceptions in some rural town in Mississippi or Texas, but these are exceptions. Overall, the curriculums are fairly well nationally established, we might say. The responsibility that God places upon parents to provide a Christian education is all over the scriptures. Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians 6 has two brief references here, which means that indoctrination is a means of grace to our children. We don't raise children to give them the option to think through curriculum or to give them the option to determine what reality they're going to embrace when they grow up. We believe that indoctrination is a means of grace that God gives parents to provide for their children, to nurture them in the admonition of the Lord. We teach that in order to inculcate a particular form of training for our local collection of arrows... Psalm 127, 128, you know, the kind that pastes on their foreheads all thoughts of Jesus apply to the earthly terrain of mathematics and Moravian culture and everything else. And you may say, of course, but education is neutral. We can just train them when they get home at night. Well, I applaud your enthusiasm, but there are intellectual corpses all over the Red Sea of those who follow that logic. It is not worth it. Now, let me also add, of course, that no education is foolproof. Education A does not necessitate godliness A, but Christian education A, what it does is it offers a type of godliness in learning, in logic, and leisure that benefits the cause of Christendom. And in our day, we cannot afford to raise children who are incapable of thinking through these categories biblically. We need the normativity of scriptures ingrained in our children. Now, I've been advocating for this for over 15 years before it became cool. You know, back then it wasn't that popular, but in our day, some have come to the obvious conclusion that such opposition to public education is the right one because, you know, the Democrats are eager to give transgender students the option of choosing their bathrooms and locker rooms and are enforcing mask mandates on the sweet little Susie at 6. And if this caused you to suddenly jump into Christian education train now, I'm grateful. In fact, I am an aggressive incrementalist. If you have come for pragmatic reasons or not, I don't care. As long as you come, as long as you make the decision. My hope, of course, in the long term, is that your pragmatism will become your dogma. And my encouragement to you, those who are listening, perhaps some who have family members in public education, is that you give a strong consideration that you find your local Christian school or homeschool co-op in your town, And you begin to make the case for why that is necessary in our day. Though it has always been necessary, but it is especially necessary in our day. And then once you make that decision, and I'd be glad to give you any tips in pursuing that route and communicating that to family members, I want you to go for it with every Herculean strength you have left. Now, in our congregation, we try to live out these principles by actually dedicating some money to help parents follow what we believe to be biblical and true about education. And if there are some pastors out there listening to this monologue, I would encourage you to consider what it would mean to have a conversation with your sessions, with your leadership, about setting aside a certain amount in the tithing and the budget of the church to be dedicated towards Christian education. So that if a parent A says, look, you all are speaking from a position of luxury, we can afford to put our kids in a Christian school or to bring them home so that mom can homeschool them. These churches will say, listen, we can't maybe cover everything, but we'll give you some economic encouragement to aid members to make that decision much simpler. But the one thing we wish to also do, if you think this is still an impossibility, is to help you, assuming you're inquiring, to look at your financial priorities on the the table and analyze whether that iPhone 13 Pro, Double, Max, whatever it's called, is really worth more than a semester's worth of books, or whether that middle-aged crisis vehicle is really as important as a faithful education for your offspring. If you're listening to me now and you're wondering, that's my situation. I can say this with all pastoral sincerity, that in the end of the day, you may gain all your worldly big boy toys, but you'll lose the soul of your children. That is a very, very high likelihood. Now, I'm not covering the nuances of this conversation. There are some exceptions, I understand, especially for those who may be listening in a different country. But the bottom line is that the longer you look at the exceptions and nuances, your answer will always be the same. But if you begin to look at the principle as the thing you pursue doggedly, then suddenly the exceptions and nuances become lesser things than they were just a day or two ago. And speaking of nuances, if a family desires to, let's say, keep their kids in the public school system for whatever reason, but still love the body of Christ enough to endure our occasional meanderings about the dangers of public schools, of course, they're welcome to join our churches as members so long as they eagerly seek the well-being of the body and are not uh, being divisive. That's not an issue of table fellowship. It's a secondary, perhaps tertiary, but one that's becoming very central to the Christian cause as we seek to harmonize our agenda to fight this vicious secularist attack on the Christian faith that is coming from a federal level, sometimes at a local level, but it is ultimately coming from the demonic principalities and powers. In my estimation, uh, what we're after is not so much adherence of Christian education, but adherence to Christendom. Children who grow up in an environment where they believe Christ died to make us whole as students and as servants of the kingdom. And we happen to believe, because of the biblical principles, that Christian education best serves that purpose. And I urge you to consider that alternative. I'm your host, Yuri Brito, and the Lord be with you.